Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the KASB, the Advocate Podcast for Friday, February 10th, 2023. I'm here with my awesome colleagues, John Forer and Alec Madrigal, our producer. We are, uh, our other awesome colleague, Scott Rothschild, is fighting the good fight for us as we speak in a Senate tax hearing on Senate Bill 128, which gives an income tax credit to homeschoolers or people who who send their children to private schools. So uh, that's um, like the millionth voucher bill that we've dealt with this week. So we we appreciate Scott for being in that hearing and, and representing our interests there. As I implied, it's been a very busy week for the KASB advocacy team in the legislature this week. So we'll just go right into our recap. So uh, this week in the House Education K-12 Committee, House Bill 2218, which is the Universal Education Savings Account Voucher Bill, was passed out of that committee and is now headed to the House floor. Uh, The bill was amended somewhat in committee the other evening, but it is still not good for Kansas kids, and we continue to oppose it. And we need you all to get out there and and, uh, encourage your members of the House of Representatives to also oppose any type of vouchers that are uh, maybe brought up in the legislature this year. For House Bill 2218, the bill contains little to no public oversight for the expenditure of the education savings accounts. You know, just this makes it ripe for fraud and abuse. We've seen uh, instances in Arizona where parents are using ESA money to fund uh, kayaks, trips to Disney World, uh, that type of thing. So, you know, I don't think Kansas taxpayers would be on board with that. Little to no public oversight for student achievement. You know, a a person could set up a for-profit school or a micro school. They would not have to certify that the kids are being taught to Kansas standards, that they're taking state assessments, how they're doing on state assessments. It literally would lead to the creation of unregulated schools in our state that leaves kids open to all kinds of opportunities for educational malfeasance, for even for physical neglect or abuse. It's just a bad bill. It also allows any Kansas student, including those already attending private school, to use that ESA voucher. It also would allow qualified folks to not only take advantage of the education savings account, but also the tuition tax credit scholarship for low income students uh, program that's already in existence in the state. So they could double dip, get that money, have enough money theoretically to go to a private school. And then, you know, the kids and their parents find out they're not necessarily going to be accepted by the private school. Uh, you know, because private schools don't have to accept all students in the way that public schools do. The uh, This bill would also allow those ESA vouchers to be used for four years after high school graduation. And so what that would mean is that a student and their parents could opt out of the public education system and then end up using the ESA voucher to pay for post-secondary. So you could opt out of public schools and have the state pay your costs for your post-secondary education. The rest of us who are in public schools would not get that same state-sponsored financial aid. So that's unfair and inequitable. The bill also says that uh, any students with disabilities who attend one of the so-called qualified schools that take these ESA vouchers wouldn't have to be educated on the core subjects that those schools are required to teach. 
that's inequitable. It also violates the federal Individuals with Disabilities Education Act that gives special education students many legal rights uh, to have a free and appropriate education. So this portion would violate federal law and open Kansas up to all kinds of lawsuits. That's that bill in a nutshell. And uh, uh, John, you want to add anything more about this uh, very controversial bill? Yes, I mean it is a it, there is a lot in the bill. Um, it's I believe it's twelve pages. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe that changed after they amended it. It could have made it longer or shorter. So one thing about the bill is how quickly it has kind of progressed um, through the legislature. Um, so it was either the beginning of last week or maybe just the end of two weeks ago. The bill was introduced. Uh, the hearing uh, in committee was announced last Wednesday afternoon. And that was scheduled for this Monday. And the rules in that committee say that you have to have testimony submitted within uh, prior to two business days um, before the hearing. So that gave us just a little, you know, 24, 48 hours to uh, draft testimony. I know we had some superintendents who came and spoke to the bill as well. You know, board members just trying to get people to testify on these bills. Um, there was a very quick turnaround. So once the bill was heard on Monday, again, continuing the trend with quick turnaround, the bill was worked and passed out of committee um, that very, you know, two days later on Wednesday. So it is currently head to the House floor um, where it will come to a full House vote. Um, but it is a bill that is being pushed uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. Thanks, John, for that. For that context. In other sort of voucher related news, we had um, Senate Bill 83 had a hearing in the Senate Education Committee this week. That's a bill that's uh, identical to the House bill that has already been heard that expands the tuition tax credit scholarship program for low income students in the state. So both of these bills do the same thing. They uh, allow every child in Kansas to take advantage of the program, not just low-income students. Uh, the bill increases the income limits uh, for the for the scholarship uh, requirements. So not only are you not required to be a low-income student, you can be sort of a middle-class kid and take advantage of it. The bill also allows donors to the tuition tax credit scholarship program to receive a 100% tax write-off for their donations. So a person could be you could be a wealthy donor and you could donate up to half a million dollars to a scholarship granting organization and, and receive a complete tax write-off. That's half a million dollars that doesn't go to the state general fund, doesn't go to support public schools. It's, it's essentially tax evasion uh, cloaked in the guise of charity. So uh, that bill was heard. And of course, uh, KSB opposed it. Uh, also, um, in play this week was House Bill 2236 in the House Education Committee. That is a much, uh, much more pared down version of the so-called Parents' Bill of Rights that received so much attention last year and was ultimately vetoed by Governor Laura Kelly. And our faithful fans will remember the legislature was not able to override that veto. So the veto stood. So uh, we're back at it again this year. The bill, as I mentioned, is not as extensive as the uh, the terrible bill last year, but it does give parents uh, the option to opt their kids out of certain uh, materials and coursework. Most folks who work in Kansas public ed public education probably already know 
parents have rights and opportunities to opt their kids out of reading certain books or participating in certain classes. Um, but the problem so far with this bill is that it also allows parents to opt their kids out of any coursework that they consider harmful. And I think perhaps the, you know, the intent might be to, you know, opt a kid out of something that you feel uh, violates your religious beliefs or something like that. But the way the bill is written at this point, it's written very broadly. And so a parent could, the way the bill is written now, opt their kid out of math or science or reading if the kid is, you know, failing in that class and, and having a problem and, and struggling. So we pointed out in our testimony that parents uh, are often in our schools, they're usually every day as Site council members, PTO presidents, they work in our classrooms, they're paraprofessionals, they're food service, you know, they drive buses for us. Parents have a lot of, of impact and a lot of say over how their kids um, are being educated at school. So we feel that really this bill is not necessary. And we also noted how broadly it's written. So uh, that hearing was this week. We'll see what happens with that bill in the House Education Committee. Well, so far, we've been talking about a lot of negative bills that have been making their way through the legislature, but we also had some positive developments this week, so I thought I'd share those with you now. Senate Bill 66 is a bill that establishes the Interstate Teaching Mobility Compact. Uh, KSB supports this as a way to help address the chronic and very serious teacher shortage in Kansas. I think the intent of the bill is to make it easier for licensed teachers from other states to more quickly qualify to get a Kansas teaching license and teach in a Kansas classroom and help alleviate that shortage. So that bill was heard this week in the Senate Education Committee. Also this week, we had um, House Bill 2138, which is a bill that would reimburse school districts for the costs of CTE classes that end up that result in a student earning a sought after industry credential, you know, through a CTE pathway. Uh, this is, you know, a great way to get people educated, certified and into the job market very quickly. We heard some great stories um, the other day about, you know, people who kids who are coming from very difficult backgrounds, but are able to get a CTE credential and get a very high paying job right out of high school. So we testified in favor of that. Another positive thing that happened this week was uh, the House Education Committee held a very well-received and really good roundtable between the committee and some Kansas school board members. So the, the board members who participated were Art Gutierrez from Emporia, who's also the KSB president, Rod Stewart from Washington County, Emily Reiner from Perry Compton, Allie Sealing from Spring Hill, and Lori Barnes from Arc City. They spent some time with the committee answering questions about what their challenges are as public school board members, how they interact with parents and the community, how the legislature could help uh, public schools. It was a great conversation between lawmakers, many of whom are new to the legislature and new to the House Education Committee. So I think it was a really good opportunity for people to get to know each other 
and to talk face to face with the Kansas school board members who are who, are, who deal every day with uh, some of the most important issues that impact our Kansas students. We have received a lot of positive feedback on it from members of the committee and members of the legislature. And so we thank House Education Committee Chair Adam Thomas for the opportunity. And we're already working on uh, the next roundtable, which we hope will take place in March. So that was a great, great opportunity this week. And we appreciated being part of that process. So John, why don't you talk about some of the bills that have really kind of progressed through the process and are ready to be heard by the House of Representatives. Yeah, this is just for those who are following along at home. We are getting closer to the point where a lot of bills will start getting pushed through a lot faster. Um, so some of those bills that are ready to kind of take those next steps, they've been passed out of committee and are ready to be considered by the whole House, are House Bill 2002. This is a uh, the revenue neutral rate reimbursement. Um, so under current law, the county clerk would reimburse uh, any taxing uh, entity uh, for those notifications. Funds were appropriated for, I believe, two years. This bill would kind of remove the two-year requirement, just have that continue on indefinitely. And so for schools, this would allow, if schools need to send out an, a revenue neutral rate uh, increase notice, um, the county clerk would continue to uh, pay for those costs reimbursed by the state. Um, another bill that we talked about in previous weeks is House Bill 2040. This is the current year enrollment bill. Uh, this allows districts that may be growing or who have a higher um, student enrollment than they have had in the previous or second previous year to use that current year enrollment to determine uh, their state aid. Another bill, House Bill 2060. This is a SPED task force bill. Um, we talked about this before as well. About 10 years ago, there's a special education task force that was established to study special education aid. Uh, so this bill brings that special education task force back. Going along with the special education bill, there's House Concurrent Resolution 5004. This was a call for the uh, federal government to increase and kind of pay their uh, prom. I don't want to say promise, but the amount that they indicated goal. their goal. <laughs> yes, um, under IDEA, of funding forty percent of excess costs. Um, so this is again just state of Kansas, the government kind of encouraging, urging the fed, uh, federal their federal counterparts to um, increase that funding. And finally, as we kind of mentioned pretty extensively uh, earlier, uh, House Bill 2218, uh, the Education Savings Accounts Bill um, is also there uh, that could be brought up um, to be heard on the House floor as well. All right. Thanks, John. Well, it was a busy week. Um, we're recording this on Friday, and it's going to be a busy week again uh, next week. On Monday, the House Education, uh, the House K-12 Education Budget Committee will hold uh, a general hearing on the K-12 budget. So KESB is testifying in favor of the governor's budget proposal for K-12 education, which includes a five-year phase-in of $72 million each year to fully fund special education in Kansas. Also, uh, that budget also includes fully funding K-12 for the next two fiscal years uh, per the Gannon settlement. It increases funds for the school mental health program, maintains the high density at risk weighting, 
The governor's budget proposal also adds funding to the existing Safe and Secure Schools grant program and adds naloxone and communication devices as allowable uses for those school safety grants. So we have seen uh, many schools looking to stock Narcan and similar types of uh, medications at school to help counteract drug overdoses. And of course, uh, communication devices uh, would be used in the event of a school emergency. So those two things would be allowable uses of safe and secure school grant funding under the governor's budget. So KSB will be testifying in favor of that budget proposal on Monday. On Tuesday, there are several bills that we'll be weighing in on. Senate Bill 210 would allow, not require, but it would allow participants in nonpartisan elections, such as school board members, to list their party affiliation on the ballot. Uh, we will be uh, weighing in on this. We, we feel very cautious about this. School board elections have always been nonpartisan. And um, I think uh, most folks would prefer to keep it that way. We don't, I think most of us feel that injecting partisan politics into a school board or city commission race is, is not a good path to take. And so we'll be weighing in on that. Also on Tuesday, House Bill 2142 gets a hearing in House Education. It uh, is the get the lead out of school drinking water bill. The hearing will discuss that there is some federal money coming down to help schools install, purchase and install filters to ensure that the drinking water in schools is free of lead. Uh, we'll, we'll be weighing in as neutral on that. We of course support providing clean drinking water to our school children. We just uh, would like to see uh, assurances that that federal money will indeed be forthcoming. Also um, on Tuesday, House Bill 2261, which would allow school board members to be paid for their service. I think our feeling on that right now is um, that certainly sounds like a great idea, but uh, I think most of our members sign up for the board knowing that it's an unpaid position, that it's something that you do selflessly and for the good of your community. And we're concerned that uh, introducing payment and that type of thing just uh, makes the school board position even more contentious than it might already be. And so I think we'll be weighing in against that. Also on the docket this week in House Education is House Bill 2271, which would allow non-resident teachers to enroll their kids in the public school in which they teach in order to uh, not subject their kids to the open enrollment law. So we have heard from a lot of, uh, of our board members and teacher friends that being allowed to bring your student with you to the school or the school district in which you teach is a real recruiting and retention effort for folks. You know, if, if you live in Manhattan, but you teach in Junction City, you know, perhaps it's easier for you to just bring your child with you and enroll them in the Junction City School because they're there with you in this, you know, you can transport them, you can be there during the school day, you can be on the same schedule. So, uh, so we appreciate that part of the bill. We're also going to be suggesting some amendments to the entire open enrollment process, which uh, as our members know, and many of our faithful listeners know, this is something that really is, is duplicative of processes that we already have in place to allow for in and out of district student transfers and really is not something that we feel the legislature needed to get involved in. So, so we'll be testifying on House Bill 
2271 on Tuesday, and no doubt that will be an interesting discussion. On Wednesday in the House Education Committee, we'll be discussing House Bill 2224, which increases the number of school days in the school year. Um, I think the, the uh, sponsor probably intends this to help kids and, you know, help kids uh, with their educational process uh, and their educational progress. There are a number of um, issues, though, that we are concerned about with the bill. So we will be weighing in most likely against that bill, at least until some issues with that are fixed. But I think at this point, we'll probably be in opposition to that bill just because it doesn't seem to be workable, unfortunately. Okay, let's see. That takes care of next week. Uh, John, anything else you want to add to the discussion before we wrap up this edition of the podcast? Uh, yeah, I, was, I mean, I was just going to note we are about two weeks out from turnaround. Um, so what that means is in about, it's the 24th, Friday the 24th. That's right. Um, most bills, um, for bills to kind of formally continue on the legislative process, they have to make it out of their house of origin. Um, there are some exceptions to that rule, but for the majority of legislation, it has to make it out of its originating house, whether that be the House or the Senate, and make it to the other chamber. Uh, so I would anticipate these next week, next two weeks, uh, we'll probably see a lot more bills being worked, um, probably more expedited timelines on some stuff, um, just, just to make sure that bills that legislators want to kind of see continue on in the legislative process are meeting those deadlines. So, yeah. So pay attention to KSB's uh, news briefs that we mail out and, and to our social media channels uh, to stay up to date on the latest actions and, and uh, deadlines for submitting testimony. So one more thing we want to talk to you about is a call to action that we issued last night via email to our members. We have, as you know, we've discussed there are many voucher bills pending in the state legislature right now. There are also um, efforts afoot to avoid uh, fully funding special education at the legally required 92% statewide level. And so we have pushed out an action alert to encourage our folks and to give them the information they need to meet with their legislators this weekend. You know, there are a lot of legislative coffees that are happening. There, you might see legislators at uh, local community events over the weekend in the next few days. We have pushed out that, that information to give the facts about uh, school choice and how it does not help kids, and also some facts on special education funding, why it's so important that special education be funded by the state as well as the federal government, Fully funding special education helps all Kansas students. So there's a lot of good information in there to help you discuss the realities of special ed and the necessity of the state doing its legal job to fully fund special education. So KSB members, check your email for an action alert that went out last night. I think that's it for the KSB Advocate podcast for Friday, February 10th. And we'll talk to you next week.